for those of you who um, prayed about coming to church today and hearing John Hamstra, you should have prayed either junior or senior because you missed it a little bit. Um, but um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share this morning that uh, Johnny's given me. And um, let's just pray before we start. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for worship and how we can worship you, God. And so, Father, we just lay this before you now, this, these words that you've put upon my heart to share, God. And I pray that um, we would not just be hearers, God, but we would be doers, because that would be very deceiving, Lord, if we're just hearers. So, Father, I just pray that um, you would open our hearts, that we receive, and go forth with from here, Lord, as um, somewhat changed and more deeper in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our last week of dealing with suffering. And I got to tell you, it's not an easy topic to talk about. Um, it is difficult to get in our thinking that the hard things that we go through are somehow meant for our good. Especially when you're in the middle of something. Because as soon as it is said that it's meant for our good, we all start thinking of, you don't know what I'm going through. Uh, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pain I feel. Um, you are right. I don't know the depth of our experience. But I do know that God is sovereign and in control of all things. And he is a good father to us. As his children, we are all going to have to go through certain things. He uses them to draw us closer to him, to make us more like, like his son. But he promises to go, with, to go through them with us. Brian read from Isaiah 43 two weeks ago. It says, when you pass through the waters, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And some things that people go through are going to be somewhat larger and harder to deal with than others. John Leitzel, who was our pastor in Crown Point, uh, spent two months in Zambia, Africa, at the Bible college there, teaching and helping with the curriculum there. And he was telling us that what he saw was people actually standing in line at the clinic to get medical help and actually dying as they stood in line before they could get the help. They actually died in line before they could get to the front of the line to get medical help. Um, I sat in on one of Johnny's classes last year uh, at, the, at the Bible school he's going to, and um, the teacher there was telling about um, how some countries, they try to make people renounce their faith. And what they do, they, they dig a pit. And they put the man's family, husband, or the wife, and the kids in this pit. And as they shovel dirt on their family, they keep looking at him and saying, renounce Christ, renounce Christ. And if he does, they'll let him back out. If they don't, they end up burying their families alive in the dirt. Um, these things are not hard, are not easy to explain or understand. Um, what will add to the difficulty for us is seeing our good is when we're thinking that our reactions and what we think are wrong because of our own explanations and we don't line up with Scripture. 
So we have a hard time understanding how this happened sometimes because things don't line up with Scripture like they're supposed to. Let me give you a couple examples that, that, that I trip up on. Um, first one is when something happens, um, we right away think, this shouldn't happen to me. I'm a Christian. I'm a good guy. I tithe. I, I, I do good things. This shouldn't happen to me because I, I, I'm a Christian. And that's what happened to me when our, uh, our youngest son, Joshua, uh, when he was two years old, got spinal meningitis. Um, he was running a fever and on a weekend, and we don't take our kids into the doctor for, I mean, they either have to be hemorrhaging or having a, a bone sticking out of their arm before we take them to the doctor. So we don't take them in for next to nothing. But this one, the, 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 the uh, fever just wasn't acting right, and it would come down, go back up, and he was, like, lethargic, and something was wrong. So we ended up taking him to the emergency room, and um, the doctor started doing some testing, and we had to sign a um, document saying that it was okay to do a spinal tap right in the emergency room. So they did a spinal tap in the emergency room, and they came out and said, um, I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Hampshire, but your son has spinal meningitis. He will have to be on some heavy doses of antibiotics and intravenous for 10 days. He's basically in a coma right now, and we hope things come out okay. And my first reaction was, whoa, Doc, we're, we're Christians. This doesn't happen to Christians. This happened to someone else, but not us. I mean, we're good people. You don't understand. This shouldn't happen to us. And um, we feel like we're in a bubble sometimes, don't we? Like, we're in this bubble, and we have this, like, this get out of jail free card. Hey, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. Let's not, let's not go there, you know. Um, let me point you to two, two scriptures. Uh, turn to Acts 9. Acts chapter 9. It's the famous passage of um, Paul on the way to Damascus getting, getting saved. And uh, the bright light shone, he was blind and ended up in the city and God tells um, Ananias to go, to go talk to him. In verse 13, But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on his name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Paul's probably thinking, how about my international ministry? How about the churches I start? How about the healings I'm going to do? How about all this other stuff? No, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my sake. And to me, that's kind of a bad way of uh, evangelizing. You leave something to the Lord. And let me show you how much you're going to suffer now. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Let's, uh, let's think this thing through. Um, so I, it's probably not a good way to evangelize, but that's, that's what he showed Paul, how much he's going to suffer for my sake. Not the great things he's going to do, not the ministry, not the churches, not the healings, how much he must suffer. Um, turn over to Hebrews 11. Famous chapter on... Faith. All the great men of faith, Abraham and Moses and Abraham, all the other ones, Sarah. 
starting verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Sign me up for this team. I'm on. Sign me up. Let's go. This sounds like a good deal to me. Women received their dead, received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to the better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. Take my name off the team. I don't want to be on that team. Take it off. They went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, being mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of, of earth. So as Christians, we are going to have to go through things. Um, we're not going to escape it. The second one that I kind of stumbled on was um, God isn't aware of my situation. I don't think he even cares. My prayers aren't being answered. This is going on so long. It's going on for such a long time. He doesn't know. He doesn't understand. He, he's not seeing it. He's, if he would, he would stop it. He would change it. But he's not aware of it. He's not aware of what's going on. Turn to Psalm 139. Start with verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You, get, you guys get that? Even before there's a word on my tongue, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And skip over to verse 14. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. You, your eyes, saw my unformed substance in your book, were written every one of them the days that were formed for me as when as yet there was none of them did you get that verse before i lived one day on the earth they were all written in god's book and you know and you think he doesn't know you he doesn't you think he doesn't know what you're, what you're going to through he knows you very well the last one i i kind of stumbled on was um this really isn't fair. Why do I have to suffer? Other people just gate through life. They don't have any problems and have any issues. Why do I have to suffer? They're not suffering. Um, people who are worse than me are even getting by with without having to suffer anything. Um, this is what happened to me when about five years ago I was um, told I had 
prostate cancer. My first reaction was, why me? How about these other people that aren't as good as me? They're, they're, they're not suffering like this. They're not going through anything like I'm going through. And um, the neat thing about that, that, that prostate cancer thing, people were giving me, when they found out, all my people at the church, all my friends, were giving me names of places to go to, doctors. And I, I appreciate every one of them. You know, was, hey, you need to go here. This guy's the best. You need to go here. This guy's really good. You need to go Northwestern. You need to go here. You need to go. And I had a stack, I don't know, about that high of people that, you know, go to, go to this guy, go to this guy, go to this guy. Um, my friend at Living Word Church, Chuck Powell, said, I've researched this for you, John. I found out this Dr. Brendler at the University of Chicago is the best guy. You need to go see him. He's the best. I said, okay, put him on the stack. About a week later, Ruth and I were meeting with our State, for, state Farm insurance guy, and uh, we were talking about you know, house insurance and our car insurance, stuff like that. And I mentioned the fact that you know, I, I'm diagnosed with prostate cancer, and they say it's got to be taken care of pretty quick. They don't want it to go on so long. The guy says, well, I had prostate cancer. I says, you did? Yeah, about five, six years ago. He said, really? I says, who did you go to? Dr. Brendler. I says, so he says, I got a contact. I'll call him, set it all up. What confirmation? What confirmation from God? How good was he to me? You know, that out of the blue, my, my State Farm Insurance guy confirmed where I, should, I, I had it done. Um, Eight-hour surgery on a Friday. God is so good. Eight-hour surgery on a Friday. I was walking out of the hospital on Saturday. Um, God is good. But... Um, we think it should be not only us, but that those other people that should be getting this. I mean, how about that evil guy at work? I even think his last name is Satan. I think he, I think he should be getting something, some of this. Not, not us, not us good people. How about these other bad people? Um, flip over a couple pages of Psalm 73. Psalm 73. We'll start with verse 3. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Lawfully, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. And jump over to verse 17. This is God's answer for it. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you have set them in slippery places to make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you arouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterwards, you receive me to glory. 
Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We need to take our eyes off of those people and keep them on Jesus. That's where we get our strength from. And we can't compare ourselves to the other ones and the evil ones and the ones that are seemingly skating by because they're not. God's got his hand on them also. Um, let me tell you my own personal testimony. Um, last year um, was a pretty tough, tough year in the, in the um, construction trades. And Leap Supply, who I'm the owner of and the president of, and we have um, eight stores and 70 employees, um, it was going through some tough time. But we were making it through. Um, 2009 was a pretty bad year for construction, and you know we, we saw the same downfall in ours, but we were making it, we were doing okay, and we seemed to be coming out of it somewhat. Um, I had the banker um, who we've done bank with for 20 years come to my office and said, um, uh, you're in default with the bank right now. And I said, what? Default in the bank? Um, we've paid all of our bills, made all of our uh, vendor bills, discounting our bills. We've never missed a payment with you, nor have we been late with the payment for you. Default with the bank, what are you talking about? And uh, he said, well, there's this deck, the equity ratio that you're not meeting, and um, therefore you're in default. And I said, well, this is kind of shocking, but um, okay. Well, this is what we want to do. We want you to lay off probably 10 of your people. We want you to close probably one or two of your stores. We want you to cut back your inventory way back. And after I picked myself off the floor, I said, uh, is this the whole answer to this whole situation? Because cut, 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 this is the whole thing? He said, yeah, this is what we want you to do. I said, okay, let me think about it, pray about it. I prayed about it for a couple of days, and you know what? That's not what God was saying. That was not what God was saying. So I came back to him. I said, um, you know what? I, I appreciate what you said. appreciate what you're thinking about doing. I said, but you know what? I, I, I can't do that. I don't think, I don't think you know, that's what I should be doing. And he said, okay. If you don't want to go our way, find yourself another bank. And I says, wow. That's kind of hardball, but that's, that's your answer? He said, yep. Find yourself another bank. So for the next 10 months, um, we went looking for a bank. And um, they made me sign a what they call a forbearance agreement with the bank. And it's a legal document. You've got to do certain things. I took that document to our, our attorneys and said, look this thing over, uh, see what you think. And uh, they said, and this was, this was probably the lowest point that I was through this whole process. It says, if we were you, uh, I'd go see a bankruptcy lawyer because this document could force you into bankruptcy. And I'm thinking, I've got 70 people. I've got these stores. I've got all this stuff. And you're talking to me about bankruptcy? Um, so, and they did make me do bad things with this bank. I mean, this forbearance agreement, I had to get billions appraised. That was $18,000. I had to get inventory appraised. That was $10,000. I had to get this done. 
I, we, money was flowing out of our place like it was like water. I mean, it was like, and if we had not been in better financial shape, I actually told the bank, I says, you guys are, are going to put us under if you keep this up. I mean, this is, this is crazy what you're making us do. But we got through it. And we got another bank finally, and that got approved. And so we're out of that bank into a new bank, and God is blessing, and we're thankful, and God saw us through, and thank the Lord. Uh, but it was 10 months of just being pounded. I mean, John Banks Online won. Oh, not again. Now what? You know, it's like, man, it was tough. But God got us through. And these are the things that uh, God dealt with me during this time. Um, the first thing is that God is faithful. I need to trust him and not in banks and not in man. For 10 months, I lived in the book of Psalms. And it was constantly reinforced to me. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. God kept saying to me through this whole time, trust me, trust me, trust me. And I kept on saying, oh, God, please. Um, the new bank didn't, didn't, didn't rescue me, didn't, didn't rescue Leap Supply. God did. God rescued me. And um, it doesn't hinge on the stock market, on the economy, anything else. It rests because God is above all those things. God saw through it, and God got me through it. He's faithful. Second thing is, God doesn't want us to grumble or complain. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or questioning. And I tell you what, I complain to everyone and to anyone who listen to me. <laughs> you don't believe what this bank is doing to me. Can you believe what they're doing to me? Oh, John, it's horrible. I can't believe it. And everybody, everybody I talked to, I mean, I, it was like, I, I think I drove people nuts because I kept on telling about these people, you know, can you believe this, what they're doing? I go, John, you're right, you're terrible, you're a good guy, I can't believe, you know, it's like, and the reason why we grumble and complain is that we want people on our side, you know, we want people to side with us. You're right, John, I can't believe that, you know, and, and we do it all the time, you know, we do it all the time. The weather, oh man, can you believe how cold it is? I can't believe it's cold. You know, do you believe what my wife did? I can't believe she did that. You're right, John. Your wife, oh, she's terrible. You know, um, <laughs> she's not really terrible, but uh, can you believe what my boss did? So this is my boss did to me. Can you believe my boss did this to me? I can't believe that. You're right, John. Your boss is horrible. And um, so that's what we do all the time. But God just laid on my heart so heavy. He says, do not complain or grumble. Do not. The, the Israelites, they crossed over to the, to the, to the Jordan to Sea on dry ground. And within three days, you look up in Exodus, within three days they are complaining about the water being bitter after being released from Egypt and all the miracle that took place. Within three days they were complaining and grumbling. God said, don't do it. Don't do it. The last thing, and this was the big one for me and the hardest, and this is what I want to leave you today. Um, God spoke to my heart to pray for them. It was like, God, are you serious? You want me to pray for them people? And actually, I says, you know, actually, God, I am praying for those people. I'm praying for what baseball bat to hit them with. That's what I'm praying for. <laughs> but um, God said, you need, you need to pray for them. And I says, man, pray for them. And he led me to Luke, Luke chapter 6. 
Luke, Luke chapter 6. Start in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, get that, those who hear, because a lot of people ain't going to get this. A lot of people ain't going to get this. For those who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Another version says, pray for those who despitefully use you. To the one who strikes you on your cheek, offer the other also, and from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you respect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. Love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. The reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. I had to pray for those people. He, he led me to this verse, and I said, God, you're right. I got to pray for them. I pray for their salvation. I pray for their well-being. I pray that God would bless them. I pray that God would prosper them. And Jesus not only said to do this, but then he showed us how. Because when he hung on the cross, when he hung on the cross and was dying for the people's sins in front of him, and they were hurling abuse at him, calling him names, spitting on him, as he was dying to save them, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Until I, until I prayed for these, these people, this bank, I had no release. Man, every time something came up, every time the phone rang, every time something else came, you know, more money, my stomach would just, you know, just start churning, you know. And it's hard to be mad at someone, hard to be holding them in anger when you're praying for them, praying for their prosperity, praying that the Lord bless them. Um, but until I prayed for them, I had no release in it. I had no release. And at the end, near the end, I was finally able to say, God, thank you for this situation. Thank you for this that has happened to me because it has drawn me closer to you. You've used it in my life to draw me closer to you. Thank you, God, for it. And at the end, I did call the lady back down in Indianapolis. God told me to do it, and I thought, okay. I, I called her and said, I want to thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that um, you saw us through it. And I just want to know that the Lord used you in my life to draw me closer to him. And there was dead silence. I mean, I don't think she knew how to react to that. It's like, what are you talking about? Who's this guy, you know? But um, I did call and thank her. I did call and make the connection at the end saying, God used you in my life to draw me closer to you. And I was so thankful. So that's how God used it in my life. Um, 
One last story, and I'm done. I think a lot of you know, in fact, some of our neighbors are here, that we used to have a, um, a Monday night Bible study that met in our backyard. And um, we met in a yellow tent, and there was a lot of kids. Booners, no, up and down the street, cars and kids all over the place. But um, we kind of gave it a clever name, call it the Monday night. Um, but anyway, that's what, you know, it's like Donna Katinsky having a cat and calling it Kitty. You know, it's like <laughs> if she had... She had a dog. She called it doggy, I guess. But I don't know. That's just that's just that's just the way we work, I guess, in our families. This is the way it is. But anyway, um, we had the Monday night in our backyard, yellow tent, a lot of kids, high school kids, come uh, high on high, and um, we had the um, honor one time of having a lady come from China, who was spreading the gospel through China. Her name was Sister D, and um, she had an interpreter with her, uh, named Mui, who is. Elizabeth and Valerie's stepmom, right now, married to her father. Their father. Anyway, Mui was a translator for Sister D. And she came and was sharing how what was going on in China, the gospel, how it was being spread, stuff like that, and how she was sharing the gospel and spreading the gospel. And then she got into this thing about, yeah, I was arrested and spent several years in prison. And I was watching the kids, and you could see their jaw drop. It's like, you shared the gospel and you were put in prison? Like, because it's going to connect. I mean, in this country, it doesn't happen. I mean, you know, but there it does. So she talked about how she had spent several years in prison and uh, it was cold. She didn't have a, she didn't have a good coat and all kinds of things with, with, with prison and spending time in prison for serving God. And one of the kids raised his hand and uh, I have a question. And Mui, you know, okay. Um, the question was, how did this make you feel that you were serving God and he allowed you to be put in prison? Didn't you feel some resentment towards God for this? Because you were serving him and he allowed you to be put in prison and spend several years in prison and it wasn't really good you know, things happening there. And so Mui, you know, talks to her and she talks back, you know, and I'm waiting for the response. And... I think I saw a little tear in Mui's eye because she said, Sister D said, it was a privilege. It was a privilege. And um, the kids didn't have much to say after that. No, no questions. It was like, wow. You, you felt like a, a bomb had dropped. You know, it was like, wow, this is really a servant of God who spends years in prison and thinks it's a privilege to serve for serving God. Here's my thought for us, is that we're going we're gonna to go through tough times. You know, we're going to go through suffering. All of us either have, I ask to raise our hands, everybody's, oh, yeah, you know, I've lost a loved one, I've, you know, this, I've this and that. But sometimes we get locked into this thing because we don't get released because we hold it against someone. This guy did this to me and I'm never going to forgive him and, you know, and God did this to me, and I can't believe God did this to me, and we're locked into this thing, this, this suffering thing, and it doesn't ever go away. I worked with a guy who was about seven years old. I worked with him for two days. He was about seven years old, and we were talking and going back and forth, and he brought up things from his past 50 years ago. I worked at this company, and this guy did this. I can't believe it. I'm thinking, 
that was 50 years ago, and you're still holding on to this thing. I can't believe it. This bitterness, is, you know. So the, the thing for us today, and I'm going to, after church, be up here and we could pray for some people if, if that happens, and I'm praying that it does, is that we get locked into these things and we won't let them go. We won't let them go because I've suffered, but that was their fault, and I'm still suffering. I'm still have this thing in my stomach. This thing is still churning every time I think about it because I, I haven't prayed it through. I haven't released it to God and stuff like that. So at the end of the service, um, I'll be up here and some of the others will be up here. But if that's your, if that's you, if you, if you, if you're thinking right now, oh yeah, that guy, oh yeah, that, oh God did this, man. I tell you what, come up here and let's pray it through. Let's get this thing released. This, this is the last week on suffering. We're going to move on now, but you know what? Let's get out of this. Let's get rid of the suffering thing that keeps us still bound and held down, okay? Thank you. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the things that you teach us through what you bring us through, God, through the sufferings and through the hard times and through the good times, God. And I pray, God, that even as we deal with these things today, Lord, that we would be set free that we would be released in our spirits, Lord Jesus, to, to get out of those things and, be, and to go on with you, Lord, and to say, thank you, God. You've taught me so much through it all. Amen.